0: What's up, family? You are tuned into Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. On today's show, 30-year-old Angelo Quinto was murdered by the Antioch Police Department when they responded to a mental health call in december of 2020. last friday contra costa district attorney Dinah Becton announced that she would not be pressing charges in that case saying the homicide was justified in blaming Quinto's death on excited delirium a condition even the american medical association says isn't real. The family had a rally in Oakland yesterday where many other families that have lost loved love to state violence showed up to support as well as organizations and community members. And now Attorney General Rob Bonta says he's going to give the case another look. We're joined this morning by Angelo's mother, Cassandra Quinto Collins. Good morning, Cassandra. Good
1: morning, um, uh, thank you for having us.
0: Of course, of course. And also by Angelo's sister, Bella Quinto. Good morning, Bella.
2: Hi, good morning. Thanks
0: for having us. Thank you both for coming on the show. I know that yesterday, well, I know that this. the last few days have just been very, very difficult uh, for your family. And so I appreciate you coming on the show and talking with me today. Um, Cassandra, you know, you and I have talked before, and I, I always like to start with the humanity um, uh, of the of these stories because Angelo was a person, right? Beyond what happened to him that day, he was a human being. And I think it's important that people understand that that, that something was lost, a whole human being was lost to, to you all, to the community, to the world that day. And so if you wouldn't mind just saying a few words about your son, what type of person he was? Um, <clears throat>
1: um, Angelo was um, a very caring person. Um, mm-hmm. He loves, you know, the animals. He loves uh, to cook. Um,
0: sorry. It's um, okay. You take your time. Uh, as much time as you need. It's okay. This is, you know, something that is hard for me to
1: to 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 to, to say every time people ask me, uh, uh, "Who is Angelo?" Well, um, if you could just,
2: you know, <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> well, I can, I can um, interject if, if you'd like.
0: If if yes, yes. That's, that's fine, Bella. You can, Cassandra, yeah, why don't you take some breaths and know that that it's totally fine, right? Um, to to cry on the show, to to breathe, to take all the time you need. Um, But yeah, Bella, why don't you talk to us about your brother and and maybe a little bit about your relationship with him?
2: Um, Well, he was my big brother. So he was always very protective of me and always wanted to guide me um, and help me learn from his mistakes about the world, about everything. Um, And he was definitely an artist art was always something that he gravitated toward and that was something that he wanted to incorporate into every single one of his um, aspirations in some way Um, and he rescued our cat and had her join our family when he was 19 and that just speaks to his love of animals Um, and he loved her very much Uh, he's very introspective um, and he was also a mic hog during karaoke, which was annoying mm-hmm. to some. <laughs> um, and he was funny mostly to himself, um, <laughs> but I get that I can be that way too. Um, yeah, and there's just so many other things. He's so many things that every multifaceted person is that you can't describe in just a small amount of time.
0: So talk to me, Bella, um, about what happened in December of 2020 um, when a call was made for help for Angelo, mm-hmm. who was who was struggling in that moment, um, and the police showed up. What happened?
2: Yes. Um, he was having a mental health crisis, an episode of paranoia and fear, and generally in these infrequent circumstances, he just wanted comfort from his family, especially from mom. He really loved mom and, um, yeah, appreciated her and wanted her comfort. So that was, that was just what he needed. But, um, we were very anxious and eventually I did call the police, um, which I am not happy about, but can't change the past. But, um, yeah, they, at that point he had calmed down because he was in my mom's arms. And again, that's, that's exactly what he needed. Um, but the, the police took him and put him in a prone position, you know, handcuffing him, holding his legs and kneeling on him and, um, Overall, it was really excessive, especially considering the fact that he was unresponsive for at least the last four and a half minutes. Um, and they asphyxiated him to death in front of my mom on her bedroom floor. Um, and yeah, he he died at the hospital officially three days, uh, two and a half days later after, you know, 16 different drugs stopped working to keep his heart beating but, you know, his eyes were taped shut, he had very little brain activity. That's not what we consider alive. Um, we we believe he died in the house that, that night, the 23rd.
0: Bella, you know, I work with a lot of families and um, I, I just want to take a minute and say to you, not your fault. You, you, you had one option and and they were supposed to help and so i know i know a lot of family members that call for help and and the police kill their loved ones they really walk with that guilt and um i just i just felt really compelled to tell you not your fault thank you it's the fault of the system right and there should have been another number to call um You all have spent two years organizing for justice. You've held rallies, actions, uh, you push for legislation at the Capitol, um, really built a movement, right? That, that, that people were paying attention to nationally. You also um, are in Contra Costa County where while where there are a lot of conservative forces, the district attorney, Dinah Becton, is generally considered a progressive. And actually, her largest opponents to her reelection was law enforcement, right? Mm-hmm. How surprised were you when last Friday, late afternoon, right, where we send, I mean, that's, I'm a communications person, that's where you send stories to die, mm-hmm. to not get covered, when you found out that not only was she not going to press charges, but that she was blaming your brother's death on... A fake medical condition called excited delirium how did how did your family react? What was the shock level?
2: Um, we were incredibly shocked um, not not that there would be no charges um, as an impacted family, you have to set your expectations to meet what has you know happened historically, and that is that DAs have not charged officers Our DA, yes who is progressive was able to charge and convict one officer um which was fantastic but it only happened after that same officer killed another man under it's similar my- circumstances to two or so years later a couple of years later it's andrew um, hall
0: mm-hmm.
2: yes andrew hall um so we were FULLY ANTICIPATING THAT, AND WE EXPECTED THAT SHE WOULD MAKE JUDGMENTS BASED ON THE FACTS OF THE CASE, Um AND THEN ULTIMATELY, YOU KNOW, BELIEVE THAT SHE COULDN'T DO IT, BUT WHAT WE DID NOT EXPECT WAS A LACKLUSTER REPORT THAT MISREPRESENTED EVIDENCE, THAT OMITTED FACTS, AND THAT SPREAD MISINFORMATION. IT WAS JUST RIDICULOUS. THAT WAS UNNECESSARY. Um, yeah. <clears throat>
1: Yeah. We actually, yeah we, we actually heard it from um from a reporter. We got a text from a reporter asking what our reaction is for you know, the press release. And uh, I just felt like, you know, um Angelo was being killed in front of me again and I could not do anything about it and could not protect him. It's like seeing it again second time around. It was
0: hard. But you did do something about it, and and you did something pretty quickly. Yesterday, Uh you held a rally in downtown Oakland outside of the state building, demanding that the attorney general Rob Bonta uh, filed charges or look into the case, right, reopen the case, uh, something that he did run on. He did say to a bunch of us that this was something that his office was going to be willing to do. Um, Cassandra, I heard some clips of you speaking yesterday, I know the APTP fam and others were out supporting you all. Um, talk about the rally and talk about how you all got the news that indeed the AG is going to take another look at the case.
1: Um, we were told by our lawyers that um, A.G. Wanta will look into it and, you know, look into the uh, abuse, abuse of discretion. Oppression. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> so that was, you know, uh, at least uh, some good news, but we are hoping that you know, this will be different. Like the AG will look at this case really closely. And, um, you know, Kat, to tell you the truth, I, I am, you know, really having a hard time with the justice system. Um, mm. it, 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 it's, you know, even if the evidence is on our side, it, it it feels like it is you know it is there to absolve the police of any wrongdoings. And that, that's that, that that's how I feel about you know every single step of the way we've been going through, you know this process of you know, convicting or the cops who did this to Angela. Um, it's hard, but. You know, the truth is on our side. I I know it's, you know, a very long road, but we will get there.
0: Well, Cassandra, you've known me long enough to know that I agree with you uh, about this system. I don't even call it a justice system. I call it a criminal legal system because there's no justice in it for our people. And... um, the truth is on your side and so so are the folks right there's a lot of support for you and your family um, in communities across not just the Bay Area but the country Bella what is your understanding or do you have one and it's okay if you don't about the differences in power in terms of what maybe Dinah Becton could or could not do and what H.B. Bonta may be able to do uh, in the pursuit of justice for your family.
2: Yeah I I I'm not sure I've heard that. Um, I mean, I've heard other families' perspectives on it that I thought were interesting. Um, just that it's really difficult for DAs to charge officers, which is again, why we all come in with that expectation that that is not going to happen. So, um, yeah, it is really difficult. They have, um, their jobs. DO RELY ON THE OFFICERS BRINGING IN THE EVIDENCE AND DOING THE INVESTIGATIONS, um, ESPECIALLY IN CASES THAT DON'T INVOLVE LAW ENFORCEMENT THEMSELVES. Um, SO, YEAH, WE, we UNDERSTAND it's, IT'S DEFINITELY SOMETHING THAT'S DIFFICULT. Uh, BUT I, I ALSO JUST, IN SAYING THAT, I WANT TO INCLUDE THAT THAT DOESN'T MEAN THAT YOU HAVE TO ESSENTIALLY EXONERATE OFFICERS. Um, regardless of the difficulties in charging, there are certain things that you you can do in your reports, like represent the evidence um, as is, you know, clearly, accurately, um, and really actually take into account important pieces like um, witness testimony. My mom was perhaps the most important witness in this she was the only person there the entire time in the room and her testimony and her um what she saw was just pretty plainly ignored um, and dismissed at least sorry i went a little bit off track but yes I, we we definitely have the perspective that it is really difficult to charge officers but Um, generally it's, it, it takes, it takes strength to, to be in that position. Um, we ideally would like to see people use that strength and do what's right. Cassandra,
0: what would justice look like for you? Justice.
1: The officers criminally charged. We cannot bring Angelo back. You know, he's dead. He's gone. Um, we want the truth to be out there, not the the the, the lies. You know, that that they spread. That would be, you know, justice for me. Or not or in, you know, acknowledging what what you did. Is you know, that would be nice, but you know, it's not a perfect world. I I, I know they won't be <laughs> apologizing to me, to us.
0: It's okay. Bella, what what is, is it that you would like to see changed in the system? So that this doesn't um, to happen to anyone else. I know that you stand with other families.
2: Yes. Um I think it's really difficult to to figure that out. Um I think at at the uh, on on a sort of a basic level I do want to see successful um, response teams that are not uh, that don't include officers mental health response teams and domestic response teams people who are trained specifically for this purpose um, rather than the purpose of their job being to specifically uphold the law Um, that would be super important but I guess in the meantime I would hope that a major change starts from within each individual in the system just in garnering empathy for every single individual regardless of whether you relate to them entirely or not just humanizing every individual that you encounter um seeing them eye to eye knowing that talking is an option de escalation is an option i think that is just sort of on a basic level, what I would like to see, um, especially in responses to people who are struggling for whatever reason. Um, and then otherwise, I guess I, I generally would just like to see more, more truth. I I think you can definitely interpret, interpret facts and evidence in multiple different ways, but there, there shouldn't be misrepresentation mis, um, of those facts and evidence to um, wrongfully exonerate people who, you know, the, all the physical evidence points towards um, asphyxiation. Sorry, I'm getting too um, specific to this. I guess all I mean to say is uh, I would just hope that that truth is, IS GIVEN MORE IMPORTANCE THAN FEAR OF, I DON'T KNOW, OF CONVICTION, OF SUFFERING CONSEQUENCES FOR ACTIONS, OF, YOU KNOW, QUOTE-UNQUOTE, GOING AGAINST OFFICERS. IT'S JUST REALLY IMPORTANT THAT WE SEE REFORM AND CHANGE AND TRUTH AS THE MOST PRO-POLICE STANCE THAT YOU CAN HAVE
0: yeah I... hmm. that's an interesting way to frame it i'm gonna have to sit with that one um reform is a pro police stance we're gonna talk about that some more later bella okay. for now i want to thank you both so much for coming on the show i really really appreciate it please take care of yourselves today um i know thank folks you. will be checking on you throughout the day um, we'll continue to cover this on the show and you always have a platform here
2: Thank Thank you we've so been
0: speaking to Cassandra Quinto Collins, the mother of Angelo Quinto and Bello Quinto, the sister of Angelo Quinto. Angelo was murdered by the Antioch Police Department in December of 2020 when his family called the police for help because he was experiencing a mental health crisis. Last Friday, the Contra Costa District Attorney ruled it a justified homicide and blamed his death on a condition called excited delirium, which even the American... Medical Association says doesn't exist. We're going to keep our attention on uh, Antioch. We are joined this morning by Antioch City Councilmember Tamisha Torres-Walker. Good morning, Tamisha. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Tamisha, I actually want to first, uh, your reaction as a city councilperson in Antioch, someone who's been a strong critic. We're going to get to some of that in a minute of the Antioch Police Department. And policing in general, when you heard that the DA was not going to press charges against the cops who murdered Angelo in December of 2020.
3: You know, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. And the reason why is, is because it's harder. It's, it's <laughs> there. There's this idea that it's harder to charge of uh, someone in law enforcement with the same crime that you would charge one of us with. Right. And so I'm thinking I just thought to myself, you know, you would absolutely send me to prison for murder. I haven't. Mm-hmm. but the challenge i have is that i have none of the protections that american policing does and so they they are they are given authority to commit state state sanctioned violence with no consequence um and we don't have that same privilege
0: Right, and not only just to commit murder, right, to target and harass and profile our our community members, which you are no stranger to. Uh, You grew up literally, I mean, this is how I would put it, you may phrase it differently, targeted by the criminal legal system, arrested 22 times before the age of 18. I wrote a quote uh, where you said this a few years ago, I think, when you were running. uh, You said, quote, it baffles me today as an advocate and an organizer that nobody thought when I was a teen, how is this girl getting arrested this many times, I wonder if you can touch briefly on how that experience uh, impacted the way you see public safety, policing, and is that what, you know, ultimately, is that part of what ultimately led you to run for office?
3: Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, being an organizer, um, you know, and an activist around decarceration and reenfranchisement, as a formerly incarcerated person, it wasn't just all those arrests. It was also the time that I spent incarcerated, where I watched all those women not get any services um while I watched how we were treated and denied access to um to ice water and <laughs> essentials and fresh air and green space and so it just it confused me as to why this system was meant to say it's rehabilitative when really we didn't get none of what we needed while we were in while i while i was incarcerated i saw that and then i came home and also saw that there was also this like continued um oppression it was like the goal was to get us to come back it was never to get us to be healthy and whole in our communities but when it comes to policing i just the frustration is really just around an institution that isn't meant to love us protect us or care for us and we continue to invest in it with with no question and that that is what it, it wasn't george floyd um for me it was it what started for me um a long time ago even before mike brown and it was just the culmination of all of these tragedies and and then like the outrage and then immediately a systematic distraction from Assessing the conditions that we under with American mm. policing and
0: doing something about it. Systematic distraction. I like that. I might steal that one. <laughs> you were, um, I've been clocking you for, for a minute, sis, you know, from, from here in the town. You were very outspoken uh, about your views on policing during your, your campaign. You, you pushed for reforms during your tenure as city council person. Um, talk about the ways in which that made you a target for more conservative forces, some electeds, and even the cops themselves.
3: Yeah, I I think you know it's 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 interesting because I've done a lot of um, you know reform work in in Richmond where you know I was born and raised, and I got to tell you that you know that police department still needs a lot of work, but here in Antioch the challenge is 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 some is some of the people, it's the community. There are deputized community members who will stalk and police you for the police. That's mm. scary. Um, Mm -hmm. It's scary because they have deemed themselves the ears and the eyes for the police department. And so not only are you being stalked by people in law enforcement who can legally come into your home, kidnap you, harass you, um, uh, biased by proxy policing, and even chase your children down and harass your family when they come to your home um, without consequences because your neighbors could be the very people that are constantly informing on you when there's nothing to inform on. And that's scary
0: here in Antioch. It It is scary. And some of the commentary that I've seen directed towards you and your family is scary. We are coming up a closer time. I wanna to get to uh, October of 2021. Uh, what happened that, that led to you being charged with a misdemeanor? Um, those charges were dropped. And, and if you tie that into yes. How much of that had to do with you were a target of the Antioch Police Department?
3: Yeah, I had to. You know, what happened in October was I refused. To, it came to a boiling point for me. I refused to continue to be stalked and be, and allow my family to be harassed. And I I stepped in at a moment where I felt like I needed to protect a loved one. And I wasn't a, I wasn't arrested and. But then, month, you know, months later, then this charge comes up, and I'm like, what's going on? And it's like, you know, oh, we are obstructing justice. And I'm like, well, if I have to obstruct justice in a defense of justice, then I'm willing to do that all day. But we can no longer allow this to take place. And I hope I hope, with all of these cases being dropped, and, you know, three out of the five officers involved in the two incidents for harassing my family, is under the federal fall is falling under the federal investigation they are i was just gonna ask you
1: that
3: they're absolutely involved three out of the five officers in across those two encounters are involved and and for the most part on leave and i hope you know and there's more and there will be more and i hope that we're willing to do something as a community And for those folks who've been attacking me and my family, they're not, they can't see the truth because the truth to them is that Richmond folks, Oakland folks, people in Section 8, and black people and brown people and immigrant people came to Antioch and and Antioch is not great because of it and they want Antioch to be great again.
0: Uh, and and for my folks we've got about 90 seconds that haven't maybe been following uh, talk about uh, the investigation that is happening of the Antioch Police Department right now right 10% of the departments that are investigation uh, for for moral turpitude terp- correct
3: yes so not a lot just really quick not a lot has really been released to the public but what i can what i can say is that um, it's a lot more than steroid use um, it's a lot more than steroid use. Um, I would say you're probably gonna see a lot more around use of force, violation of people's civil rights, et cetera, um, and hopefully, you know, we can move forward. We we can move forward as a city. Um, I don't know much, but what I do know is that 10% can turn into 20% and 60, and by the time you know it, almost potentially every officer in this police department could be conspiring. Um, and potentially we'll have to start
0: over. Well, I mean, that is the goal of some of us, to tear it down and start all over. Tamisha Torres-Walker, thank you for coming on the show. I know you're super-duper busy. I hope you'll come back. Yes,
3: absolutely. Thank you for all the work that
0: you do. We've been speaking to Tamisha Torres-Walker, Antioch City Council member representing District 1 in Antioch. And for those of you who are wondering what moral turpitude is, um, it basically means that those police engaged in behavior where the intent is reckless and considered, quote, morally reprehensible, end quote, by state statutes such as unjustified violence. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about our topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at Disorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA, that's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area